coming up on another mini episode of the Front Page Football Podcast. I was not able to host uh, again this week, but Cody Ajad has done a great job uh, deputizing, and him and Dylan Bozicevic reacted to Melbourne Victory's 3-1 win over Wellington Phoenix uh, last night. 3-1 win for the victory, and um, yeah, they now break that uh, duck of almost two months without a win. So um, definitely a big result for Tony Popovich and his boys. Tommy Urich coming off the bench and, and getting a goal as well, which was, uh, I guess, a bit of a bit of surprise. But uh, yeah, Wellington kind of stunting their uh, momentum, that result as well. So yeah, the boys did a great job reviewing that and then took a little bit uh, of a look at the, uh, the other games coming up, obviously today and then tomorrow as well for the rest of the round. Uh, mainly as well looking at uh, Sydney FC and the Mariners because that definitely is one that catches the eye. And uh, di- dissecting and discussing, I guess, Sydney's home record um, at Allianz Stadium because that hasn't been uh, too great. Uh, of late so yeah a good good mini pod coming up um and also yeah make sure you're checking out front page football on social media so that's front pg football on twitter and instagram front page football on facebook and we're also on linkedin if you want to check us out on there and of course uh the main hub the website frontpagefootball.net uh, had a couple of articles come out this week and I will say watch this space in terms of some content that's coming up over the next uh, week or so. So yeah, without further ado, uh, I am your usual host for this podcast, but as I said, Cody uh, is leading this one. So we'll be back right after this with Cody. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the FPF Mini. It is me, Cody Ojeda. I'll be your host today. Christian has vacated the spot once again for me. He must love hearing my voice hosting his own podcast. I'm sure he's going to enjoy it when he listens to this one back. Uh, joined with me today is Dylan Bozicevic. Dylan, how are you doing today, man? Yeah, not too bad. Uh, well, interesting game that we did, we got to watch, and finally victory is broken the dark. So finally, victory's broken their duck. Their first win since um, early December when we actually came back from the World Cup break. Um, been on quite a run since then and a lot happening on and off the pitch for them. A uh, bit of a disastrous day for the club up until tonight. Could this match breathe new life into the club? I guess that we'll find out in the coming weeks. On the match tonight, though, Wellington were the team that actually got off to the better start the first 30 minutes of some beautiful football they were playing. Uh, real tally ball on show at full effect. And Zawada getting an early goal. Um, very, very nice header from a Josh Law's ball. Um, textbook, absolutely perfect. Then all it took was one moment of mad. No, I don't even want to say magic. It was a very scrappy goal from Melbourne Victory to kind of break their duck scoring from open play. Fornaroli getting his first goal since his debut for the club, being a long time coming for him. And his reaction after the goal, you could see how much it meant to him. Um, then from then, victory were able to work themselves into the game. Um, to get ahead, took a Jake Brimmer, absolute screamer from a free kick. I don't know about you guys, but every time Jake Brimmer's over a free kick, it feels like he's going to take a penalty. You always get that feeling he's going to score. And to end the match, a bit of a calamitous mistake at the back for Wellington. And Tommy Urich was able to uh, score his first goal in victory colours. 
Um, Dylan, any thoughts on the match? Anything that stood out to you? Uh, Melbourne victory, could they be coming back? And what about Wellington as well? Yeah, it was. It was. I think it was a game that was summed up by the mistakes, really. The the first goal was no one was really tied at all to Fornaroli and Callum Elliott, which uh, are youth in focus this week. So the FPS, FPF curse strikes again. His body positioning was all wrong, but uh, for that first goal. So, yeah, and then obviously the third goal, which less the less said, the better. Um, and victory, like any good side would, punish the defensive mistakes. And realistically, as you already said, I thought Wellington were pretty much in control of the game and victory had had uh, moments of counters. Ben Falami was probably a, a standout tonight. Um but yeah, that's that, that's my thoughts on the game. I think for me, Ugarkovic also stood out for Wellington. I don't know if, if you thought the same. But he's I haven't got really... some ability about him. Um, yeah, yeah. Definitely, look, he's got some competition. He'll have an opportunity to kind of cement that midfield spot with Lewis out for a little while. Him and Rufa will be partnering up for the foreseeable future. I think you can um, basically take out of that. I don't see Pennington at this stage roiking his way back into the side especially if Ugarkovic plays the way he did tonight. Yeah. Um, you mentioned Elliot and that Youth in Focus article we did from him. And yes, FPF curse strikes again. We do have a knack for every time we want to talk about someone and kind of gas someone up. Things ha- things go wrong the next time they step foot, foot on a football pitch. Even my own article, I did um, plug Wellington's turnaround since the World Cup break. They've been in some fine form, only lost one game. And yeah, that's kind of come down tonight too. But Callan Elliott, actually, that's an interesting one because I don't think he was actually having that bad of a game up until his yellow card. And you already spoke about Falami and how good he was tonight, especially helping driving victory forward. It did feel like they were actually targeting that right-hand side of Wellington once Callan Elliott got his yellow card. Suddenly, he's not able to be as aggressive in defense as what he usually can be. And Falami, he's got blistering pace. You missed time and tackle by, what, half a second. You're running the risk of... Not only giving away a penalty, but when you're in the position Callan Elliott's in, you're running the position of getting your, you're running the risk, sorry, of getting yourself sent off. So, a bit of smart play by Melbourne Victory there. Is that something you noticed actually during the game? A little bit, yeah, because I did notice that. Well, as I said, Falami was on the ball quite a lot compared to Valupale. So yeah, now that you now that you mention it, it does does make sense. Yeah, Valupale, someone um probably didn't work his way into the game too much tonight too, but that might be just simply because. Once Elliot got that yellow card, they did want to kind of focus on their right-hand side. It kind of took Volupale out of the match a little bit, which, look, it's been good that he's been getting some starts lately. Hopefully, he can see a bit more of the ball as he goes on because he's another young player that Melbourne Victory giving an opportunity to. And considering how they've been playing this season, look, at the end of the day, we're in a league with no relegation yet. Uh, we'll talk about that a little bit later. But um, while you've got that opportunity, if you come and last, things aren't working well, give the young kids a chance. So... Hopefully, Volupa Dele can kick on. Hopefully, he gets a few more runs in the side, considering he was starting in the side for Melbourne Victory. That's probably played their best performance in a little while. We'll get to them in a minute. We'll talk about Wellington first, because we've kind of got the ball rolling on that conversation with um the whole Callan Elliott talk. But um that first 30 minutes, as I said before, they really looked like they were on top of things, and it kind of looked like it was going to be a routine win for them. Melbourne Victory couldn't really string much together. It was... Very, very poor display and something I guess we've become maybe not accustomed to, but it's something that's really been building up over the last few weeks. Um, 
I think we'll talk about Victor a bit later and how maybe things haven't been as bad as what they seem for them. But Wellington, they under Tele, especially over the last few weeks, they've become this side that, you know, many people probably weren't predicting them to be maybe pushing into the upper echelon of teams in the A-League um, by the come, well, come season's end. But when they went ahead tonight, the live ladder was putting them in second place. So while they are exiting this match still in fourth, that little that brief moment there kind of shows, in a way, their potential because, like I said, not many people are probably predicting them to be so high in the league, but even just that brief moment, the, it shows where this side can be, especially under Tele. Yeah, 100%, Cody. I was just having a look then. That was actually Wellington's sixth game in a row where they've scored the first goal, so... I think they would have been brimming with confidence after that. And you could see that they had a clear plan, you know, with with that ball into Zawada. It was and he's such a good player in the air, really. And it worked out well. Um yeah, as you said, with Tale is a lot of talk about him in the DNZ job. And I mean, so he deserves it. He's obviously not gonna get it. I'm pretty sure that's already Made out. It's kind of but, um, out the window as well from what I've yeah. heard. It's, um, I don't know how much of the whole Jordan Herdman rumours were true considering he nipped it in the bud quite quickly on his own personal um, platforms. But whatever happened now, it looks like New Zealand football have a preferred candidate that they're talking to. Whether that was Herdman, Herdman or not in the first place, I guess we'll never know. A lot of people out of New Zealand are saying that it's been a bit farcical how this whole thing's played out. But um, by the looks of things, Tello is now saying... Even if they ring me, I'm not going to answer. And considering how they played tonight, look, on paper, I don't agree with disagree with me here. Feel free to jump in if you disagree with what I'm saying. On paper, Wellington Phoenix probably don't have that star started aside compared to some of the other sides in the league, yet Talley just manages to bring the best out of him. You reckon New Zealand football are going to regret maybe not giving him the opportunity to manage this Wellington Phoenix side and the New Zealand national team simultaneously? Yeah, I, I think so. Because as you said, yeah, if you look at every single A-League team on paper, every single squad on paper, they, they're probably towards, I'd say they're in the bottom two for, for big names as such. Now that could be because NZ football, all these young kids coming through are from there and maybe we don't watch NZ football as much as others do. But at the same time, their squad, as you said, is, is a bit weakened compared to the rest. And Tale is bringing the best out of all these players through playing good football at the same time. So I think, yeah, NZ, the, the FA there, over there, will struggle. I think it, in the future, they are going to feel, you know, a bit let down that they didn't give the opportunity to Tale to take that, to manage both sides simultaneously. But I guess only time will tell. It'll be interesting to see if Tale maybe does leave Wellington Phoenix in the near future because of that. I guess there was a clear path, maybe not when he started Wellington Phoenix. One thing that I have a lot of respect for with Tale actually, I remember when he took over the job, it was just after um Mark well, Marco Rudin left for Western United. They brought him in and the first thing that he said was, I'm not looking to come here as a stepping stone to go somewhere else. I want to achieve great things at this club and I want to take this club to the next level. I don't know if that's a direct quote. He said this three, four, five years ago. I can't remember how long he's been there for now, but um, however long it was, I remember I remember specifically him saying something along those lines, at least. And I have a lot of respect for the fact that he's actually seen that through. And 
almost ended up with a national team job because of it. But um, you're talking about Talley and maybe not the most star-sided squad. One thing that the Wellington Phoenix and probably Talley himself has done really well, they're scouting of international players. You're talking, obviously, Sus, he's had his moments this season, probably lost his spot on the side now. But um, David Ball, a good player coming from England. But it's more um, Bozidar Krajev and Oscar Zawada, as you mentioned before. Um, their stat of, what, this, what did you say? It was the um, sixth game in a row that, where they scored first? Yeah. And how many, oh, I don't know if you're going to have time to check it quickly, but how many times is that Zawada? Because the Zawada, well, in, I don't know about him scoring first, but I did see a stat after the game um, on Instagram today that that's five goals in five games for him now. Absolutely and crazy. He, he's right up there for the golden boot. Well, maybe Jamie McLaren might have something to say about that, but at least for that chasing pack, he's now yeah. equal with Jason Cummings, who was probably someone that I don't know if he's died down since the um, World Cup break, but or well, since his um, go in Qatar. But um, Oscar Zawada, especially since coming back from that break, he's been absolutely, he's almost been unstoppable. It's he's inevitable that he's just going to latch on to something in that header. Yeah. They scored today. It's much of it as a pitch of a ball from Josh Laws. The technique on that to really put it across the um, keeper again, find the back of the net. That's, it's something special. And for someone that didn't actually have the best of times in Europe, I remember, um, look, we've got a Polish, uh, well, not necessarily a Polish reporter, an Australian Polish uh, contributor in Ian Puzinski. I'm sure many of you know who he is from some of the things that he does on Twitter. But um, he had a lot of insight about Oscar Zawada when he first signed and said, this is someone that wasn't that much of a prolific goal scorer, actually. But he's come in. He can't. It's almost like he suits the profile of the A League, if you get what I mean. But um, yeah, Wellington Phoenix just managed to get the best out of him. Yeah, well, as you said, like from what Ian did say, it's kind of the opposite, isn't it? Really, because if you look at it, yeah. he's he's one of those strikers now where you look at him and it's really you give him one chance and he's going to score. And the goal tonight. He's, he's almost headed the ball from the edge of the box. And to have the the technique to loop it over Matt, Matt Acton in goals, who, by the way, also had quite a really good game, made, made some big saves when he needed to. But back to Zawada, yeah. To loop the ball over Matt Acton in goals from that from that distance is is superb. So, yeah, I think Zawada's last, last couple of performances really need to be applauded and talked about more. Man, look, massive credit to Tale for someone who maybe wasn't, you're not signing based on his goal scoring record, but just something technical that you can see in him that's, yep, this is the profile of striker that I'm looking for. I remember him coming in. I was obviously the first thing I'm looking at as someone in the position that even we are. The first thing we look at is their record, how they're doing in other clubs. It it wasn't an exciting signing. And considering, obviously, your first thought is, oh, my God, this guy's going to come in and take minutes away from Ben Wayne, which... Probably at the start wasn't the case because Ben Wayne started off the season so well. He's gone now, so why does fill that role? And he's arguably doing better, which I guess you'd expect from a visa signing that is a bit more of a senior player. But I don't know. I, I honestly wasn't expecting him to hit the heights that he has. I pose a question to you. Where does he rank among the strikers in the A-League at the moment? I'd say he's right up there. We've already mentioned McLaren and, and Cummings. And when if you look at any other team, I think... Other than the Central Coast and Melbourne City, nearly every other team would probably take him on their roster. Wanderers would. I think they're looking Wanderers for a striker at the moment. Well, I think Wanderers are top of the list for, for a team looking for a striker. Well, but, look, um, you're a Sydney FC fan as well. Would you be uh, taking him there? 
Yeah, I'd be taking him as well. I was thinking about that just then. You know, obviously, Lafondre's had a good record in the past. But at current rate, I'd be taking Zawada for sure. Imagine um the likes of Maka and Lolly feeding Zawada. That would be oh, probably getting, something that shouldn't was, be imagined. Probably something disrespectful to Phoenix fans. But look, from your point of view, that would be scintillating. That would be fantastic. And yeah, and so looking at this now, we're looking at all the marquees that have come in in the last two transfer windows now that January's finished. And really the ones that have that have kind of shunned the most are the ones are the no names, I guess you could call them. The ones that didn't really come in with, with much hype about them. And that's not just in these two windows, I'd say that's in the past two or three seasons now. Yeah, one hundred percent. Um, I've seen there's been a lot of talk about it. Where should the A League actually be moving away from the marquee strategy? And I get the whole thing about it because at the end of the day, if you want kind of those fair weather peripheral fans to come in, you're gonna put a name like Nani or Charlie. Maybe yeah, I don't course. know how much about Charlie Austin. We'll put buns on seats, but someone like Nani, you put them in front of him, people are gonna come. Manchester United fans will roll through the door. Saw a couple run on the field as well, a little bit stupidly. But um, if you want to get results. You've got to find players that are genuinely going to get them for you. And I don't think there's a better club at doing that than Wellington Phoenix because the only real high-profile player that I can think they've really brought in over the last couple of years is Tom Ahmed. And, but Tom Ahmed came and he did well for Phoenix. It wasn't until he went to the Wanderers where he really started to dip off. But Wellington Phoenix, whoever's in charge of their scouting and recruitment department and how much talent has a part to play in that, the point is, whoever's looking after who's bringing in the um, international players in, they're, they're up there with the best in the league at doing that. Maybe, I don't know about the Mariners, uh, Kaleshi John and Paul Ayongo. Kaleshi John's already out the window, Paul Ayongo rumoured to be going too. But yeah, Wellington Phoenix, absolutely fantastic in that regard. But um, yeah. we'll move on to the Melbourne victory because they've got to be the talk of the night. Uh, first win in quite a while for them and considering everything that's been happening off the field for them lately. Uh, definitely well-deserved, and hopefully it is a chance for them to kick on and actually go on a bit of a run. They do have a Melbourne derby uh, in a couple of weeks, and hopefully that does last longer than 20 minutes this time. <laughs> We'd actually like to see them play out a proper match, and I don't know what the fan situation is going to be like, but hopefully as many um, fans that actually want to support the club can get in as possible, and we can actually get a decent atmosphere for that match. But, yeah, look, first win since the 11th of December. First time they scored two goals in a match since the 4th of November. Um, That 4-0 win at home to Newcastle Jets. Funnily enough, on Arthur Pappas' all-access episode. But, um, yeah, looking at how they've gone today, uh, as much as Wellington Phoenix probably did dominate the match a little bit, it was a classic Tony Popovich performance where they can sit back, they can have less of the ball, but they're still going to look like the more dangerous side going forward, hey? Yeah, 100%. I think... Miranda and Bosnowski really dealt with the the aerial bombardment quite well. And as you said, a typical Popovich performance, you know, hit on the break and play off mistakes and a bit of class from Brimmer and, and that's how they won the game, really. It's as it's as simple as that. And looking at looking forward for them, now they have the Jets next week away from home. So if they can get another win, they've got Adelaide at home after that. Could possibly be three in a row before they hit the derby. And who knows what could happen from there. So, you know, all in all, it's, 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 it's a big turning point for Melbourne now. They need to look at the positives, not so much the negatives, 
They need to look at how they can continue this, these performances, how they can continue to score more than two goals in a game, which were in February. And as you said, the last time they scored two goals was the 4th of November. It's tomorrow in three months. Three months tomorrow. Like, that's crazy to think about. It's crazy so, to think about when you put into perspective the fact that if you look at um, XG created, XG conceded, which would actually be, which can actually create a table of predicted points. Um, I saw a stat, I think it was Joe K, uh, Joseph K that shared it on Twitter. A big shout out to him. I think I've done that a couple of times on this pod, actually. <laughs> but um, if you look at predicted points, put a table um, based on that, Melbourne victory should be fourth, which as much as I'm sat, we're talking, this is the vintage Tony Popovich performance. He is typically a, a coach that, even without a lot of the ball, can limit the chances an opposition's going to have and still create a lot for his own side. Melbourne Victory have done that this season. They haven't got the results from it. And if you look back at their last few matches, it does look like a lot of those games have come from, or a lot of those losses have just come from small individual errors or individual mistakes. It's never really been a question of how they're playing. And the only questions hanging around Tony Popovich would be why he's not getting the best out of his players, I guess. But where do you stand with this? Because some people, it's, it's definitely a very small uh, section of fans, but there have been people calling for Tony Popovich to get the sack. I think this match does prove tonight that he's not really the issue here because when this side clicks, they they do look quite good. Yeah, exactly right. Well, I think, you know, the old saying goes, the manager's the easiest person to blame. And in this situation, it's the truth because... It would be a manager, eh? Yeah, it's it's toughest job in the world, isn't it? Other than a uh, prime minister, I think, but uh, or a fourth official. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, where I stand on that is, I think Popovich isn't isn't to blame so much for the performances this season. I think he's done what he can, and as you said, for a team to have the fourth on points, fourth best points from expected goals and. It's just, it's crazy to think about. D'Agostino, I'm sure, was not at the forefront of all those missed chances. But someone has to take responsibility, and that's not Popovich who, who should be taking responsibility for that type of stuff. It's funny because the person that's probably should be taking responsibility for a lot of that, you know, you mentioned D'Agostino. When D'Agostino was in the side, he was able to pop up with a goal maybe every two or three games, which for an A-leg striker, is a pretty good return. Uh, you can compare it to McLaren, but I think McLaren's just an anomaly. He's a freak of nature when yeah. it comes to yeah. um, putting chances away. But yeah, the person that probably should be taking a lot of that responsibility actually at the back of the net tonight and broke his duck a little bit, um, Bruno Fornaroli, first um, goal for the club since his debut, first open, first goal from open play for the club. Uh, we said at the start, very, very scrappy goal still. It was one of those chances where if Mumble Victor couldn't score from that, you genuinely think the club is cursed. But um he's got to take some confidence from that because look, as much as it was a scrappy goal, you, you could see how much it meant to him. And we all know what Fornaroli is like once he gets a bit of fire in the belly. It's a scary, op- it's a scary proposition for defenders. Exactly right. Yeah. So well, be- yeah. So as I said, with Newcastle coming up this week, you know, it's, it will be a good opportunity for Melbourne to, to really push on. They really need to move on from this, from this win and take, and take the positives. As I said before, and just try and build momentum because that's the only way they're going to get moving. That's what I mean. Like you're talking a, a side that has had both on-field and off-field so many negatives thrown at them. The players know exactly what's wrong. The coach knows exactly what's wrong on the side. 
if they can focus, if they can take what was good out of this performance, use that as their, as their driving force this week at training, push onto a Newcastle side who we all know are pretty susceptible at the back, you're talking about an opportunity to get two in from two and suddenly you're going into the Melbourne Derby in decent form. Yeah, and exactly. And with the squad that they have, really, you look at it, it's, it's, a, it's a good squad. That 11 that they put out today, Bar Izzo, who, who was missing through injury, who's going to be missing for a while, it's it's a really good squad. Other And also, also Kadetu has been a bit susceptible this season. But, you know, they, they've definitely got the quality and the quality is there to, to move forward and play that, you know, attacking, attractive football. Well, so it'll be... Counter-attacking, attractive or football. Or counter-attacking yeah, it's, it's, football, exactly it's right. Point, I guess. Exactly. But yeah, you're going to... It's probably almost set up for them because you've got a Newcastle side who does like to hold on to the ball, but if, and this is another thing that really stays true to Tony Popovich, if he can get that defensive solidity down and just block the space for Newcastle to try and play into, when they get the chances to go themselves, like I said before, Newcastle are pretty susceptible at the back. There's a reason why um, Melbourne Victor were able to beat them 4-0 earlier in the season. I'm not saying they're going to do it again because when the side's been doing so poor for so long, you don't expect them to come out with a 4-0 win, but there's not really much reason why, if they are at their best, why they can't get a result from this, even away from home. One thing actually I want to do mention, just before we do move on a little bit, because you mentioned very, very earlier that there this was a bit of a game of mistakes, especially from Wellington Phoenix perspective. Their back line tonight, obviously they had Tim Payne out due to suspension, but um, their average age, besides Oli Sale, of course, was 22 years old. Um, Finn Sermon, it's been a while since he's um, had a run of games. He did get a bit of a run uh, towards the back end of last season, did quite well, actually. Um, he was probably at fault for that last goal as well, the poor bloke. But um, yeah, that inexperience, they certainly missed Tim Payne tonight. Um, Tommy um, Urich able to take advantage of that last little slip up, but yeah, having someone like Tim Payne out of the side and playing with such a young back line against the Melbourne Victory side, who on their day are a very, very good team going forward, yeah, how much of that do, how much of that does play on the Wellington Phoenix's mind? And you know, considering you're going to have Tim Payne coming back next week, is it a bit? Of a, is this result maybe just a bit of an? Uh, my pronunciation is killing me tonight. A bit of an anomaly. I think so. Yeah. Um, I was at the Sydney FC Wellington game and it was a quiet game, so you could hear a lot of the talk on the field and one person that did stand out was Tim Payne, was both centre-backs actually, Tim Payne, can't actually remember who was playing next to him in that game, but the talk was, you could hear a lot of communication from them too, especially, and I'd say they were the two loudest in the field, so when you take away someone like that from the team, then organisation structurally the team struggles. They lack that person from the back who sees everything, and that's what Tim Payne brought to that game against Sydney, and that's what they look like they lack tonight. So that was um Scott Wooten at centre back that day. So there's another well. experienced head as well who we haven't really exactly seen aside right. for a while. Um, Josh Law's coming in. It's only 24 years old. Like I said before, pitch of a ball to um set up Oscar Zawada's first goal, but. 100%. When you miss an experience like that, that's probably how those mistakes come around. It's probably going to be a good learning curve for those young players. Um, but yeah, for the match itself, not so good. Melbourne victory. And they probably did just need that bit of luck. Just like we said, they've got the quality. They've had so much negative. Um, let me say, there's a lot of negatives going around the club. They probably just needed that little bit of 
you know, just have a sleep. I'll take advantage of it. Now we can really kick on. 100%. Yeah. And they did take advantage because I think if those two or at least one of them were in the, in the side tonight, I, I don't I don't see Melbourne scoring any three of those goals. I think they're preventing. Well, yeah, the free kick at least. That was off a of Finn Sermon tackle. I got yeah. a yellow card for, I think that could be a little bit questionable whether it was yellow or not, but certainly free kick at least. But um, the man that scored that, Jake Brimmer, um, last point on this game. When he's at his best, there's a reason why he won the Johnny Warren medal last year. Him in that 10 role, he was vac- he did vacate that a little bit, was pushed back a little bit further um, to let Nani come into that role while he was um, fit. But Jake Brimmer, as, as a number 10, one of the best players in the league, if not the best. 100%. 100%. And correct me if I'm wrong, but Brimmer, when he was younger, was at Liverpool. Yeah, he went through I, Liverpool's youth system before yeah, signing for Perth and, under Tony Popovich, actually. So yeah, yeah. There's 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 a reason for that, and he he shows that when he's on form, he is definitely without a doubt one of the best number tens in the league. You think he should be a shout for soccer? Is it's I a hard one because so there's so many quality midfielders. Eh? But if he could, if he picks up the performances and is a bit more consistent, I think there's no reason why not. Well, yeah, it depends how um, some of maybe the older heads, if Tommy Rogic is willing to come back to the soccer roots, um, Aaron Moy, maybe questions whether they're going to maybe step back and let the younger generation come through. And look, if that's the case, I'm not saying Jake Broom is a shoo-in because there are a number of other young midfielders still available, but he's got to be in the conversation at least, especially yeah, if they yeah. do play that rumoured um, friendly in Perth, give him a run back at his old stomping ground. <laughs> um, we'll have a look at the rest of the weekend. Uh, starting with uh, City and MacArthur. City, actually, um, for all the talk that we had about them and how well they've been going in front of goal, uh, they're on a bit of a winless run at the moment. They've had three draws in their last three games. They host a MacArthur side that's had their own bit of turmoil, obviously. We've spoken recently about the whole Dwight York situation, but um, probably a good chance for City to really get things back on track. Yeah, I think so. I think they'll get the job done against MacArthur, I think, for sure. Um, yeah, the, the last three games, I mean, they've had Wanderers away from home, which is never an easy task, especially this season. They've had a Brisbane Raw side who, other than last week's slipper, has been really solid defensively, again, away from home. And then, and then last week against Adelaide at home, Melbourne City just... That was a weird oh, one. I wasn't States, expecting really. Adelaide to really put a performance in like that. And it was probably more that Adelaide were playing well than what City were doing poorly. And look, they showed their class in the second half. Maybe a bit of psychological factors at play when Juan Day got injured. But yeah, look, I think it shows the class from City that they are able to get a point out of a match like that when they are really at their best. But yeah, Adelaide yeah. last week, I think that was that kind of took a few people by surprise, eh? Yeah, definitely. A score I mean, prediction for this one, at least? I'd say, honestly, 3 0 to Melbourne City. Oh, that's yeah, dominant. I, I can't, yeah, I can't see MacArthur doing too much, too much yeah, damage. Look, honestly, I don't, I don't know if MacArthur's going to get a goal in this game. I think City will be back to their best. I'll probably say 2 0. I'm going to be a little bit different. I'm going with the same result, though. Next one, your boys actually, Sydney FC, Mar- um, hosting the Mariners. Um, Always a fun game, this one. High-scoring affairs, usually, especially back in the day when either Mariners or Sydney FC just weren't doing too well. Sydney FC have an opportunity to push into the top six, while Mariners could really cement a top-two spot if they win this. 
Um, are you going to be at this match tomorrow? How do you see it playing out? Unfortunately, I won't, as I have my own game. Ah, and I really wish I The NPL I really season wish I could have. The NPL season starts, yeah, exactly right. But honestly, any chance I get to watch the Mariners, I would I'd love to take because I, I just think, for me, they're, they're one of the my favourite teams to watch in the league. Um, and we've already seen what they've done in Sydney against the Wanderers, where they just absolutely pick them apart. So I'm hoping that it won't be like that tomorrow, but I do agree that it will be a very high-scoring game, especially with with Sydney's defensive woes this season. Insane. And, um, got, uh, Dylan Wenzelhalls could be in line to make a club debut. We're talking about a quality yeah, striker there, someone that I've been banging on the drum about for Brisbane Raw to sign <laughs> to solve their striker crisis, especially after the departure of Charlie Austin. Very disappointed they didn't make a move because that would have been absolutely perfect for them. Um, but yeah, do you think Sydney, do you reckon Sydney FC can get something out of this match, especially at home? They've really got to start making out of the fortress. That's probably been the thing that's been letting that letting them down the most this season. Yeah, I think other than surprisingly enough, them beating Melbourne City at home, <laughs> I don't think Sydney FC's won a game at home. So for me in this one, I think the only way that Sydney will get a result is a tool draw. That that would be my tip. That would be a tip. Look, on it, that's crazy to think about. Of all the games that Sydney FC have managed to win at Allianz, you know, the stadium that was meant to be built up to actually be their fortress, a return, they were, should be going on a good run of form at home. And somehow they only, they've only managed to win one match this season, but it's against a side that's almost unbeatable. I think about that every day of my life. It's, that's honestly, honestly it's... a crazy stat to think about. But look, honestly, if I had to tip... I'm probably going with the Mariners. I I can't see the Mariners slipping up this stage. They're just, they're just so good going forward. And in reality, they're very, very solid at the back as well. Brian Kaltak, at least, got to be in the talk for one of the signings of the season. We talked about before, actually, um, those visa, the visa signings that have really uh, had an impact this season have been more those un, the, those players that are unknown quantities in the league. Brian Kaltak fits that to a T, considering... Apparently, Mariners even rejected him when they first got offered him a few years back for him to be having the impact that he's having now. Uh, it's great for Asiani football, but once again, a testament to actually scouting players that are going to suit your system. Yeah, it is, isn't it? As as we've spoken about before in this podcast, I just him and Nectar Nectar Triantis just complement each other so well that I, I I like honestly, it's just such a joy to watch, really. Well, I've compared it, and this is probably a very, very big stretch. Um, the Caltech Triantis um combination. <laughs> I, say. I hope you know what I'm gonna say, because otherwise it's gonna look really bad. I've compared them to when um Real Madrid had Ramos and Varane, because you've okay. got Caltech, who's the, the, that's not what you were thinking. I was gonna say was I wasn't, I wasn't, <laughs> but it wasn't too. I was thinking maybe like a Ferdinand Vidic type partnership. Honestly, a good bit because I, I, it's actually that's probably a bit more of a um. Better analogy because you got Caltech, who's this just absolute monster. Yeah, will come in, um, not afraid to get his hands dirty, but does have that technical ability. Um, that's where I was kind of thinking of the Ramos comparison. Whereas you've got Triantis, yeah. who there's a bit more of a class about him. Obviously, can hold himself up well, but loves the ball at his feet, able to play it out. We've talked about um Triantis, uh, Triantis ability, especially the long passes. The guy's fantastic. One of the probably one of the best ball playing center backs in the A League at the moment. But yeah, that's just yeah. I've never thought about the um Ferdinand Vidic comparison, <laughs> but um 
obviously this is a very very big stretch i think we've got to make yeah. that very clear <laughs> but um yeah just i think at least in terms of style of play there's definitely something i've always thought about and i thought i'd want to share but um yeah look i think mariners will get this one even if it's a 2-1 or a 3-2 as much as they are defensively solid others like i said this is always a high scoring affair i can see both teams scoring in this one um moving on to the next one craig goodwin's all access episode adelaide hosts brisbane raw uh, we spoke about Brisbane Raw before where they are kind of missing that figurehead up front now, but they have made some moves actually recently. Taras Gamulka coming into the side. Robbie Cruz coming into the side, actually. That's, um, I don't know how much of a surprise it is considering it is his hometown club, but, um, someone that's been without a club for a little while now. And look, as much as there is talk about his injury, um, was throughout his career, didn't really have the best of times at Melbourne Victory, but if this guy kicks on, there was a reason why he's gotten 60-70 caps for Australia. Yeah, 100%. It's, it's going to be a big game for Brisbane coming off such a big loss last week. And as you said, you know, the two signings they've brought in, not necessarily signings that I would say will help strengthen their team as such, just because of where their weaknesses are. But yeah, it, would 100%. Be, it will be interesting to see how they how they add these players into their into their team. Yeah, well, it'll be interesting. I can see Gamorka really making a push for a starting spot. But, um, yeah, considering they're probably the biggest hole that they needed to plug was maybe getting that new striker in. Obviously, they do have one of the better defensive records in the competition this season. But on the other end, they just weren't scoring enough goals, especially since Charlie Austin left the club. So I probably was expecting them to bring in a striker. I don't know how Joey Knowles will go. I've, I've said they, they should probably at least give him that run up front. They have given him a chance the last few games that hasn't really worked out. He's probably not the striker that they're looking for. He might be better used out wide or in the fullback role that they, well, wingback role that they've used him in recently. But, um, yeah, yeah, they definitely could have done with a new striker. Wenzel Halls would have been the perfect opportunity, but Mariner swooped in and took him instead. Uh, score predictions. Well, just solely based that this week's A League's all access is Craig Goodwin. I'm saying the Adelaide win 2 0 and Goodwin scores. As well, it's always been a bit of a good luck charm. If you're all if you're all access episodes on you, if the all access episodes on you that weekend, you Pretty do much. tend to get except for the Jets because that was um that's probably the been Jets. an anomaly. But everyone yeah. else and the person whose episode it was has managed to play a central figure. The best one I could think of was um Garen Kowals. They were down two 0 half time. He gets subbed on, Comes on with then. cameras on him and played a massive part in getting them yeah. to come back into that match to win four two. So yeah, look, signs are telling there. Um, if it isn't, if it doesn't pan out that way, it probably will be a bit of a shit episode, unfortunately. <laughs> but um, yeah, look, honestly, I could see two or three nil. Think Melbourne victory, uh, not Melbourne victory. Their their woes hopefully are gone. Brisbane Roar's woes, uh, especially coming off a result like that, you're going to one of the hardest away trips in the league. Mm. I don't see them getting too many points out of that one. Final Saturday match, we're back at Masso Dice, Perth Glory, Newcastle Jets, who are on coming off the back of a really good result themselves. Um, can Papas keep that result going against probably the one of the form teams at home in the competition? Two words, no chance. <laughs> at Macedonia Park, Maso Dice. Dice has no one's going to win there this season. I'm calling it right now. I don't know how many games That's I have a hot left. Take. I don't know how many games I have left there. I just want to have a quick look. I don't so, know if it'll be too many. They have played a massive run. They've ooh, played a... three in a row, to be fair. So they've got the Jets. And then the next two after that are Melbourne City and Central Coast. Oh, that'll test the record. 
They've still got quite a lot left, though, must say. But I do think that how they've been going at Maso Dice this season is just incredible. And I think their home form alone is going to somehow get Perth into the top six. Well, yeah, look, if they can pick up those three points at home, get a point every game, well, not a point every game here, they at least get an average of one point away. Yeah. And yeah, they're definitely a strong shot for the top six. What Ruben Zadkovich has done with this side has certainly probably, it's got up to heads by now. Yeah. And with the form of Dows and, and both Williams as well, and Taggart back in the squad, it's just a scary proposition, positives, isn't it? positives from everywhere for Perth. Nothing. Honestly, it's a massive turnaround considering what the clubs had to go through, particularly during COVID. So Newcastle Jets aren't getting the win in this one. Oh, look, personally, I think Melbourne, oh, not Melbourne, why do I keep saying Melbourne victory? <laughs> Perth glory. Um, I could probably see him running out two or three nil winners here. Like I said yeah. before, Newcastle Jets are a bit spectacular at the back. What are you thinking? Same. I think, yeah, Perth, Perth to win two nil. Oh, see, us having the same prediction doesn't make for good content, man. Yeah, it doesn't. I mean, we could see a Newcastle Jets, you know. I think Newcastle Jets are so inconsistent, like every other team in this competition. Yeah, it's but, been a crazy mixed-up season, this one. Yeah, but um, look, as much it. as it's not good content, we've got to stay true to ourselves. I ain't going to lie. Exactly what I think right. the prediction is just to make it, just to make it more entertaining. But um, look, we'll move on to the final match of the round. Uh, Western Sydney Wanderers back at home against Western United. Uh, what are your thoughts on this one? Be interesting. Be interesting to see how Western approaches the game away from home. I actually will go with the hot take here because I think I know what you were saying. I'll say Western United will get a draw here. See, look, if I had to tip anyone, I'd probably tip Wanderers 1-0. I would not be surprised if this game is nil. You're talking about two very conservative sides. Yeah. They pro- oh, look, Western United can offer something going forward. They've got Lucky Wales. Um, hopefully, Bodish can really start hitting form. Someone that's definitely got a lot of potential. But um, I think if there's one thing this game has written all over it, it's a low-scoring affair. Quite the opposite yeah, from the Sydney FC Mariners game. Um, yeah, look. But in saying that, I think we've already cursed the game and it's going to be, it's going to end like 3 2 or 4 3 or watch, something. Watch Sydney FC and Mariners run out and do a draw and these guys <laughs> have goals galore. Yeah, but look, honestly, probably 1 0 to West of Sydney. I, honestly, it, it may, uh, some people may say it's a whole take what you said. I can see it happening though. I don't yeah. think it's out of the realms of possibility. You're talking about two sides that don't really, well, they don't like to have a lot of the ball themselves. So. It'll be kind of, you have the ball, no, you have the ball. You can see kind yeah, of playing out that yeah, way. pretty much. Um, to put it in the most basic analogy that I can. <laughs> but anyway, um, we will wrap it up there. That has been another episode of the Front Page Football mini podcast, which you can catch every Friday night on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Uh, my name's Katie Ajita. I hope you've enjoyed me coming in to replace Christian Marchetti. Hopefully it's not the last time. Christian, please let me do this again. I'm sorry if you got offended by what I said at the start. Um, I've been joined by Dylan Bozicevic. Dylan, you got any final words? Go to the FC. That's about it. Hopefully they can bring it home tomorrow. And hopefully they can bring it home tomorrow. Hopefully they can bring it back in the six. Unless you're a Mariners fan, then you'll be hoping they're solidifying top two. My name's Cody Ajita. This has been another episode of the FPF Mini, and we will see you in the next one.